right, today I would like to speak to you about fathers. Um, in fact, I was thinking there that I don't generally uh, stop each time when we've got uh, when we're in a series and we're doing something to talk about what's seasonal uh, and so forth, be that Christmas or Easter or uh, who knows what. Uh, but today is Father's Day, and I really felt that God wanted us to talk about fathers. Um, and so, to that effect, let me just get myself organized here with all of my uh, equipment and. Uh, Swing straight into Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 2. Of course, Father's Day, we know, it is an annual event, meaning it comes around uh, once a year, and it is for us a special reminder uh, to respect and to honor and to appreciate fathers. How many fathers do we have in the house today? Do we have any fathers here? We've got a few fathers. We've got a lot of fathers, praise God. All right. Uh, Ephesians chapter 6 verse 2, it says, Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. All right, so there you go. Um, of course, uh, it says here that, uh, that we are to honor father and mother, and that's absolutely right. Of course, mothers had their turn at Mother's Day a couple of months ago, so I will not be so much uh, speaking about the need to honor mothers, even though we need to honor them, but I want to talk about the need to honor fathers. It says here, this commandment is the first commandment with promise. It's not the first commandment overall, but it's the first a commandment in the list of the Ten Commandments that has a promise attached to it. So very quickly, in order to swing into this message here and to give us some, you know, reminders of some things that we already know and to perhaps cover some new areas, things that you may not have heard before. Four reasons, uh, at least, why we should honor our Father. First of all, because God commands us. Uh, to do so. Uh, and of course, uh, when uh, Paul in Ephesians chapter 6 says, honor your father and your mother, uh, this is out of the list of the Ten Commandments. All right, everybody knows the Ten Commandments. How many of you know they're not the Ten Suggestions? They are the Ten Commandments. All right, so we are commanded uh, to honor uh, our father and our mother. In fact, uh, this uh, commandment here is the fifth commandment in the list of the Ten Commandments. It is the fifth overall, but it's the first that has a promise attached to it. So number one, we honor fathers because God commands us. Everybody say commands us. I know today people don't want to be commanded. So people like to be asked, would you like to do this? Uh, Would you feel good if you did that? But God says, I command you to honor your father and your mother, all right? So that's how God speaks to us. Uh, have you, God, over the years, God hasn't become any more, any less politically correct. Uh, God is just not into that all that much. Uh, God still commands today. God doesn't make suggestions or recommendations. God still commands today. Number one. Number two, uh, we honor fathers because it's the right thing to do, all right? It's the right thing to do. Uh, then thirdly, God promised us that if we honor our father and our mother, it will be well with us and we will live a long life. It'll be well with us, that it may be well with you, God says. Sometimes life doesn't go well for people. And life's got challenges. Everybody's got challenges. But for some people, just life doesn't just go well consistently. 
hardly ever thought about checking up on themselves to say, how is my relationship and how is my honor towards my father and towards my mother? Now, here's a thought. Here's a thought. Um, why don't you take that message to heart and to see if there's perhaps an area where you need to make some adjustments because people look in all sorts of places. Uh, people look and so, try to find answers and solutions in all sorts of places, and it's good for us to be open. But here is one of the main stakes in, in terms of uh, having a good life that is to honor Father and to honor mother. And God says, not only will your life go well with you, but you're going to live a long time. You're going to live a long time. So generally speaking, uh, you talk to people that have grown to a ripe old age, they will be people that have honored their father and their mother, generally speaking. Now, there could be one or two exceptions there. Uh, but God promised that if we do that, we're going to live a long time. So if you're planning to live a long time, and by the way, I do, I'm going to be around for a long time. <laughs> Last year, I reached middle age. This year? It was this year, February. I reached middle age. I reached 60 years of age. So I'm planning to be around for a long time. And it's important uh, that if we plan to do so, that we honor our father and our mother. And of course, fourth reason, uh, and that especially applies to, uh, to today, it is Father's Day. So today we want to make a special effort to appreciate, to respect, and to honor our father. And of course, as Diode already pointed out before, when we talk about, you know, honoring God or honoring our earthly fathers, we should be doing that all the time, but especially so on Father's Day. That's why it's been put in there. So, oh, that's right. <laughs> and Mother's Day, oh, that's right. We need to honor mothers. Oh, that's right. It's kind of, because how many you know life's busy and there's a lot of things going on? And so it's good to have these reminders. Um, so that we always do the right thing. By the way, if your father is no longer alive, you can still honor him by speaking respectfully and honorably about him. All right? People say, oh, I missed the boat. I didn't honor him when he was alive, and how would I ever be able to honor him now? You can honor him by speaking respectfully about him. I'm sometimes shocked and horrified by how people speak to fathers uh, and the reason why I'm shocked is because it's not right. <laughs> it's not right. We need to always uh, uh, treat our, our, our father and our fathers with respect and with honor. In fact, I remember when I grew up in our house, my father demanded honor. And that was all there was to it. <laughs> it didn't give us like uh, an option of, do you want to be rude to me today or do you want to be nice to me today? Uh, our father demanded respect and rightfully so. As a little guy, forgetting how old I was, I went to the home of one of our neighbors. We had a few neighbors around. Uh, this is out in the country where the closest house would be about two, three hundred meters away, some of them a mile or so. Or so. I went to one neighbor that hadn't been there uh, before and haven't gone back there again for some reason. Uh, uh, that's just how it, 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 it panned out. And I went there, and of course there's a family. There's a father and a mother and some kids. Uh, the children were older than me. Um, and I remember the father was pretty quiet uh, for the time that I was there. And I don't remember the specifics. I don't know what was discussed, or, or I just remember the setting vaguely. Uh, but I remember one thing. It really made an impression on me. Um, the father spoke about one thing or other. And the whole family flew at him 
I mean, they flew at him and shut him down, like, uh, you know, just put him down and, as it were, put him in his place, whatever that might mean. They certainly did, didn't give him the right place and everything. And I was shocked. Uh, I think my father would have killed somebody at that point uh, if that happened in our house. By the way, my father wasn't a violent man in any way. That's just, just a phrase that I would use. Probably I should have worded that better, but my father would not have stood for that. Well, that man shut up and he sort of ducked down and that was the end of that. And I came away from there and as a little guy, I had never, never in my whole life seen anything like it or heard anything like it. And it just made such an impression on me because this is in my house. There was respect and honor uh, where I grew up. My mother was particularly, she would never, never let us get away with in any way making fun of our father, even though a couple of times we attempted to do so, she just wouldn't allow it. Uh, and, and so I came away from there and, and I thought, gosh, it's, uh, as I said, for a little guy, you know, you try to work things out, how things are connected up. I didn't understand everything, but I somehow knew inertly, I, in, in, my, in my heart, I knew this is not right. This is not right. Even if the man is not as great a father as what he should have been or could have been or uh, as great a husband as he could have been or should have been, but this is not right. Uh, and, and yet, uh, in, in, in many homes today, it's the order of the day where fathers are dishonored consistently. And of course, God's got something to say about that. Uh, and he's already told us. He says, honor your father and your mother that it may be well with you. Now, of course, there was issues going on in this home and uh, things weren't all that good for that family. Um, and I would think that in terms of if anybody had ever tried to, try to fix that, this would have been the starting point. Honor father, honor mother. Imagine this. In all the law of Moses, with all the 613 commands, all reduced down into 10 commandments. And one of those commandments is honor father and honor mother. So it must obviously be important, otherwise God would not have included it in that list of 10 commandments. All right, um, now that some of you are really getting excited, I would like to ask the question, say, how can we best understand the role and the position of a father? Because remember, a father is not just a person, but he's got a role and a position assigned to him. Um, and people don't understand this. In fact, I would even like to go a step further. I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit. But a father, a man who is a father, stands in the office of a father. It is a position. It is a role. It's not something that, a term that we would use a lot, but I would like to suggest to you that the, the, the father is, is, a, is an office that a man occupies once he has father children, or at least a child. Um, and, uh, and to best understand that role and that position, uh, it's best for us to look at God, our Heavenly Father. The best and the most perfect picture and example of a father is our heavenly father. And because Jesus uh, very consistently taught us about God as our heavenly father. And when his disciples came to him and they said to, 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 to Jesus, says, Jesus, teach us how to pray. He says, all right. Uh, and in Matthew chapter 6 verse 8, he says, your father knows the things that you have need of before you ask. 
In other words, don't just bombard God with requests. He says, when you start praying, he says, pray in this manner, uh, verse 9. He says, pray and say, our Father in heaven. Our Father in heaven. So that's where we get the word heavenly Father from. Because when we say Father, we need to know, are we talking about our earthly Father? Or are we talking about our heavenly Father? So he says, our Father in heaven, uh, hallowed be your name, or holy is your name. So start you, when you approach God, start with honor. Start to recognize God for who he is. Um, and uh, <laughs> just reminded that, oh, Dad, can I borrow the car keys? Start with honor. <laughs> Start with honor. All right. That's kind of the pattern that God lays out for us here. Uh, praise God. How many of you fathers been asked for the car keys in the last while? Praise God. <laughs> in fact, anyway. Let, let's not go there. Let's not go there. We, we, we're not here to embarrass the kids this week, are we? <laughs> Praise God. So Jesus referred to God as our heavenly Father. And here's an interesting thought. This is, this is now in the New Testament. Now in the Old Testament, God was not commonly known as God the Father. He was known as God Jehovah. He was known as El Shaddai. He was known as the Almighty. Uh, And he was referred to as Father. And God referred to himself as Father a couple of times. But generally, that was not a term that was used all that much in the Old Testament. However, David, uh, the psalmist, David the king, uh, here in First Chronicles chapter 29, verse 10, uh, Therefore David blessed the Lord before all the assembly, and David said, Blessed are you, Lord God of Israel, our Father forever and ever. So David, um, in many respects, uh, uh, an Old Testament figure, but David had revelation beyond his own time and beyond his own dispensation. He already saw God as Father, and many saw him as the judge and as the, all of these other things. Uh, the term Father was not so much used, but most definitely uh, David looked to him as uh, to, to God as the Heavenly Father. And when we talk about the need to honor our Heavenly Father, we need to, of course, start with the fact that God is good. God is kind. Uh, God is gentle. Um, God is loving. He's merciful. God is faithful. God is loyal. God is a good God. Um, And uh, so to understand the character of God, it helps us to really honor God as our Father. And in fact, uh, I would like to go a step further here, and it's in your outline. So to understand the need to honor our earthly fathers, we need to understand the need to honor our heavenly Father. Our heavenly Father needs to be recognized for who he is. He needs to be honored for, for the role and the position that he occupies as almighty God, that there is none above him and there's none besides him. All right? Um, and uh, and to, to recognize that for everything that he does, we need to appreciate God. That we come before him with a grateful heart. We don't just come with a... With a you know, an asking heart, and it's okay to ask God. Uh, we don't come with a grumpy heart. Uh, we come with a grateful heart uh, before God. And so there is that deal going on where it's like with a father. Uh, where do you start? Well, let's start with Father God. 
In fact, God made an interesting statement in the book of Malachi. And some of you know it well. In uh, Malachi chapter 1 verse 6. This is the last book in the Old Testament. Um, and God says, he says, A son honors his father and a servant his master. If then I am the father, where is my honor? Now, this is a little bit, to use a worldly term, a bit of a slap in the face to the people that uh, God spoke to. Malachi was a prophet, and he received the word of the Lord, and he communicated that. But actually, Malachi, um, or that address that, let me start again. Uh, this word here is specifically addressed, not just to the whole nation of Israel, but specifically addressed to the priests of the day. And the priests has got a bit slack. Uh, they were slack in the way they spoke about God. God says, you words have been stout against me. And when it comes to honor, words have much to do with it. And, and they were just quite flippant about it. They says, oh, well, what's the use in serving God? You know, it goes well for the wicked and actually not all that well for the righteous. So what's the use in serving God? God says, you words are stout against me. You're speaking dishonorable words. And then he said to them, he says, and you guys got a bit slack. And I'm kind of paraphrasing here. He says, you guys got a bit slack when it comes to bringing offerings to me. Rather than bringing the first and the best, you, you give me the leftovers. And you give me the lame and the blind uh, animals that you look around and the one that you don't want anymore, you bring that to me. He says, what's that? Where, where's the honor in that? So God says, if I'm a father, he says, where is my honor? And if I'm a master, where is my reverence, says the Lord of hosts. So again, uh, to understand uh, the need to honor our earthly fathers, we really have to understand the need to honor our Heavenly Father. Conversely, we learn to honor our Heavenly Father by the way we honor our earthly Father. There's a kind of a dual thing going on. These two things are connected. All right? And, you know, right now, uh, we've got children's church going on. In fact, Pastor Vanessa so happens to uh, be over there today. And normally it's Al and her teams and so forth, you know, teaching the young kids. And we teach them to honor God. Um, but that teaching is always supplementary to children learning to honor in their home. All right? Um, and uh, so again, uh, we, we learn to honor God our Father by the way that we honor our earthly father. And uh, friends, can I suggest to you, and this is not rocket science in any way, or not any huge and great revelation, but respect and honor begins in the home. And when kids go to school, if there's no respect there, for, you know, to, to its teachers, it's because there's not much respect at home. And if kids roam the streets and, you know, are respectful towards adults in general and so forth, and, you know, when people are, you know, then sometimes end up before court and they're not respectful towards the judge or they, they, they speak about it, it's because they haven't learned that in the home because respect and honor begins in the home. Now, you, you, you're scaring me now. You're getting so quiet now. You're really scaring me. Have I said something wrong? <laughs> Praise God. And by the way, this is a good day and we're having fun this morning, but uh, I think this is very important for us to understand. In fact, let me tell you, 
this message and messages like this, there's more need for these messages today than what there was 40, 50 years ago when honor was still kind of part of society as we know and as we understand it. Common phrases back then was honor God, honor king, honor country. But if people haven't learned to honor in the home, none of these, these three things are ever going to happen. Or only people will only honor if it gets them somewhere, which is kind of a kind of a selfish attempt to go somewhere rather than to do the right thing by honoring or living a life of honor. So that's why a home should be first and foremost a place of honor and of respect. Let me say that again. A home should be first and foremost a place of honor and a place of respect. Now, of course, we want many things to be happening in the home. We want, you know, we want homes to be healthy homes. In fact, the government's making a, a, an effort to sort of get healthy and dry homes, uh, and, and all of that's important. And, uh, and uh, you know, that homes are places where people can go and, and rest, and, and that's right and good and proper. But if the place is not a place of respect and honor, it'll not be a very restful home. Uh, sometimes people don't enjoy going home, and sometimes the reason is because respect and honor are not fully established there. And so we ought to make a real effort for each and every one of our homes to become, if not already is, and to otherwise to improve that, that there is respect and honor in the home. There are three areas that God addresses regarding all of that. And sorry, guys, I cannot speak about fathers in isolation. Fathers and families. So we, in order to get a, a holistic picture, I need to talk about fathers, mothers, and children. Number one, uh, God says uh, to the husband, love and honor your wife. First Peter chapter 3, verse 7. You husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way as with someone weaker since she is a woman. Uh, now, please note, it does not say she's somebody inferior. There's nothing inferior about women. But physically, in a general sense, the woman is the weaker uh, member uh, in, you know, in the husband and wife team. Uh, physically weaker. That's what he's talking about. Since she's a woman, and show her respect as a fellow heir of the grace of life, so that your prayers will not be hindered. In fact, in uh, the Kenneth Woos translation, um, it puts it this way. It says, husbands, it's the same verse, but just different wording. Husbands, in like manner, let your home life with them, meaning with the wife, be governed by the dictates of knowledge, they being the weaker instrument, the feminine, holding in reserve for them particularly honor as those who also fellow inheritors with you of the grace of life. And this in order that no satanic inroads be made into your prayers. So, you know, somehow when God addresses the family, he starts with the father. He starts with the man. <laughs> All right. And in fact, in the uh, uh, Nasby translation, it says, so that your prayers will not be hindered. So if a man does not honor his wife as he should, his prayers will be hindered. 
God says, this is so important that if you don't do this, there's going to be a scrambling going on in your prayers. Your prayers will become ineffective. Your prayers will somehow not be answered. There will be an interference with your prayer life and with the prayers that you do pray. In fact, Kenneth Woost uh, brings out, he says, uh, he says, uh, the latter part of that verse there says, in order that no satanic inroads will be made into your prayers. Husband, if you don't honor your wife, Satan's going to invade that whole area of your prayer life and beginning to scramble it. Uh, and somehow beginning to interfere with it, and your prayers will be hindered. So <laughs> it stands to good reason that a man would only you know, do himself a favor if he honors his wife. Secondly, wives are called to respect and honor their husbands. Ephesians 5.33 um, However, this is in the Amplified Translation, let each man of you without exception... Love his wife as being, in a sense, his very own self. And let the wife see that she respects and reverences her husband, that she notices him. Ladies, have you noticed your husband this morning? <laughs> that she regards him? Um, and when we talk about regards, you know, when we write an email and we put regards at, at the bottom, it's sometimes good to put kind regards. <laughs> kind, not just regards, regards, but kind regards. <laughs> it just has a better, better ring to it. Uh, that she honors him. Here's the word honor. That, that she honors him. He honors her. She honors him. Um, prefers him. <laughs> now, here is there's a, a, like a deal going on where we say ladies first, and it's right to do that because that is one way we are made honor, uh, honor wives. But wives are also honor fathers, uh, honor husbands by preferring him. Um, venerates him. Venerates. Now, the word venerates an interesting word. Um, uh, it's not called worship. Um, it's not worship. But to venerate him and to put him up. Uh, like on a, on a pedestal to kind of, in her estimation, um, and to kind of venerate him and esteem him, and that she defers to him, that she kind of takes a, takes a, 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 a back seat when it comes to, you know, things that the family are going to do and so forth, and rather than always stating her preference, I want this, I want that, I want the other, she defers to him. Turn to the person next to you and say, kind regards. Just tell him, say, kind regards. <laughs> Hallelujah. She praises him. And ladies, let me tell you, I've, I've sometimes been near get-togethers where ladies get together and gosh, what about a gossip session about how bad their husbands are? <laughs> Come on. Not here, of course. It's... In some of these other places that I've been to. She praises him and loves and admires him exceedingly. <laughs> okay. So, so, so the husband loves and honors his wife. The wife respects and honors her husband. And then the children are called to obey and honor their parents. 
God's got instructions for everybody in the house. Nobody's left out. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1, we read it before. Um, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with promise. All right, so God very strongly speaks into home life because God knows, God knows that a good society, a whole nation is made up of families. And if the families are strong, the nation is strong and society is strong. And if there's a breakdown of a nation, a breakdown of a, of a society, it is because there's a breakdown in the home. That's why people like Bob McCroskey and others are really standing up and saying, we need to uh, uh, be careful what legislation we are passing in Parliament because it all affects families. and either affects families positively or it affects families negatively. So children only know how to honor their father and mother if mom and dad model honor towards each other. That's the only way that they're not going to know. Uh, children don't come, are not born with an, with an inert, uh, a built-in sort of honor principle. It's taught and it's caught. And if all we do in children's church is teach it, and if it hasn't been caught in the home, it's going to be difficult. All right? So children need to see it in the home. And, uh, and it must be respect, uh, it must be demonstrated, and it must be modeled so the children can catch it. And that's why I say it just, should just be second nature. That's why I grew up in, 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 in an environment uh, of respect and honor. And that's not to say that there wasn't scraps that went on amongst the kids and a few things that were said that shouldn't have been said. I'm not talking about perfection here in any stretch of the imagination. But generally, uh, my father demanded honor. And, uh, and, uh, and, and, uh, and my mother would absolutely uh, live an honorable uh, life and honor our father and, uh, and vice versa. So uh, uh, for the most part anyway, praise God. <laughs> so God says this is so important that children learn honor and respect and appreciation in the home. This is so important that even if a man doesn't live right, God says the wives are still commanded to honor them. Have a look at this. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. It says, in the same way, now God just finished talking about husbands, that they're to honor their wives, otherwise their prayers will be hindered. Verse, um, uh, verse 1 and 2. In the same way, you wives, be submissive to your own husbands, so that even, even if any of them are disobedient to the word, they will be won without a word by the behavior of their wives. Uh, one translation says, by the lifestyle, uh, the, uh, by the conversation uh, of their wives. As they observe your chaste and respectful behavior. So what does that mean? In plain English, and I don't know about you, but sometimes I read something, what does that mean in plain English? Here is what that means. That a wife 
even if she's not treated right, is now not licensed to give like for like. Even if she's dishonored, does not license her to dishonor him. God says, whoever is the one that does uh, not honor, whether that's the wife or the husband, God says, at least let the other one model a lifestyle of respect and honor so that the children can learn. Otherwise, the kids are never going to learn. Are we doing all right this morning? All right. So it's absolutely, it's got to begin in the house. So at the very least, one of the spouses must show respect and honor so that the children can learn. Because children, more often than not, will do as they see rather than do as they are told. So when we're talking about teaching, uh, and children need to be taught, children need to be trained, um, in fact, I feel a strong need to do some parenting sessions uh, at some point and to reintroduce some of our parenting materials that we have because society today is so removed from the biblical model that it's just shocking, but people don't know any different uh, because people only know what they know. And why do we have all of that stuff going on, all the vandalizing of property and the break-ins and all the stuff that goes on, kids roaming the streets in the middle of the night? Why is all of that going on? Because there's no respect and there's no honor in the home. So the word father, make a couple of statements here. The word father is a term designated to the man who has procreated us. Now, we have many fathers, you know, collectively, but individually we only have one father. And he's the man that has procreated us. Or as they say in the Old Testament, who begot us. You know, in the Old Testament and in the genealogy of Jesus, you know, it says Adam begot, uh, you know, Cain and Abel, and Abel and Cain begot so and so, all the begets, all the begets. Um, God creates, man procreates. So for us, the term father is assigned to the man that has procreated us. All right. Number two, the word father is a title that demands respect and honor. Remember how I said before that a father stands in the office of a father. So a man stands in the office of a father. And sometimes, you know, people don't understand the difference between the person and the office. The Bible tells us that we are to honor the king. So we have to honor people who are holding leadership roles over nations or over a nation, the king or prime minister or president. And, uh, and people say, look, we might not agree with the way that the man operates, and we might struggle to honor him, or honor her for that matter, as a person, but we have to honor them because they stand in an office. And we have to honor the office. And if somebody's duly elected, uh, then they should be honored. I'm not suggesting that somebody's rogue um, leaders that we have, dictators around the world uh, that have got there by killing and murdering and what have you. Uh, but the Bible says, honor the king. 
all right, honor people who are standing in that particular office. So, a father, letter A, should always live a respectful and honorable life. Because remember, children learn about Father God being a good father because they look at their own father being a good father. And, uh, you know, in terms of uh, God is gentle, every man ought to be a gentleman. Gentle. Uh, now, it's not, dif it's not difficult for a man to be forceful, but he needs to train himself to be a gentle man rather than a forceful man. Because of a man's makeup, there is a, a drive in him and there is a, there is a kind of a, a, a strength there that if that strength is not bridled and if that strength is not brought under control, he will be a menace to others around him. And how do you know we've got some menaces driving around in the streets? Boy, they're ever so quick to give you the number one sign, aren't they? Like, whoa. And, uh, you know, to, to wind the window down and stick their fist out the window and uh, ever so quick. That's not what gentlemen do. You know, gentlemen just learn to pass up the opportunity. You know, we might get a little annoyed, but we don't have to do a... Uh, I won't show you the number one sign. That will not, I will not do that today. So a gentleman, so the father should always live in a respectful and an honorable life. But even if he doesn't, we are still commanded to honor him. And this is where it gets people. Because my father has not earned my respect. Well, actually, he should. But even if he doesn't, we're still a call to honor father. We might be overly excited about him as a man, and what he has or what he hasn't done, but he still stands in an office that needs to be in a role, in a position that needs to be honored. Number three, uh, the word father is a term describing vital functions in the family. Functions and roles. By the way, God is not into unisex. Um, you know, God... God is, is masculine. God's, uh, sorry, mums, but God's not a mother. God's a father. <laughs> and people say, oh, let's just make, turn him into an it. God is not an it. God is a he. And he's one heavenly father. And that's the trouble with today's reproductive Technology and the advancement made in this area, they're now talking about producing children with two fathers. And it is technically possible with the mixing and mingling and that technology. God is completely against that. And for us as believers, we ought to be completely against that and completely against any legislation that might open up the door for experimenting in this area because it's just plain wrong. It's just plain wrong. And, uh, and so the term father describes a vital function in the family, and we usually sum that up in three words, to guide, to guard, and to govern. So the father guides the family. 
Uh, he guides the family spiritually if he's born again. And if he's not, he should get born again so that he is qualified to guide the family spiritually. The father is the one that says, all right, on a Sunday we go to church. This is not a, not, this is not a negotiable sort of a deal. We're not going to make up our mind what we're going to do on a Sunday morning. It's just automatic. We get ready on Saturday night. Sunday we're going to take the family to the church. He guides. He, he guards. Uh, the father is the one that protects he, he guards the family. And this is where Adam failed. Because Adam, uh, when the serpent came into the garden, Adam failed in his responsibility of guarding his wife that God had given him to him, who is the weaker vessel. And seemingly he was also the one that was less informed because God spoke to Adam and told him exactly that he was. He put him into this garden. He says, tend uh, to it, keep it. Uh, and, uh, and you can eat of every tree in the garden except of the tree that's in the middle of the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't partake of this tree because in the day that you do, uh, you will surely die. And uh, Adam failed in his role of properly instructing his wife spiritually. He said, honey, we can have a good time in this garden. There's even gold in the ground. I'm going to find you some gold. I'm just making this up. But... Uh, <laughs> But he should have said, honey, we can eat of all the trees in the garden, have a feast at every meal. But remember, God says, the one, the tree in the middle of the garden, stay away from it. Just, just don't touch it. God says, the day we touch of it, we will surely die. And of course, it's exactly what's happened. So when the serpent came uh, to kind of sidle up to, um, to, to, to the wife, um, and you know, the devil will find the weakest point into, the, into a family. In some instances, it's the wife, and in some instances, it's the husband. We can't sort of, like, blame one or the other. This is not a gender issue. This is about, it's about everybody fulfilling their role and their function. And the father's job is to guide, to guard, and he's also the one that governs. Uh, uh, I suppose you might have never seen your father as being the governor in your home. You know, we got governor, we got governor general in New Zealand. Um, in different countries around, around the world, they got, you know, regions and states and they got governors over that. So it means the governor is in charge. Um, and um, praise God for that. <laughs> so are we still doing all right this morning? Is this helping anybody? So he guides, he guards, he governs. And sometimes we say he provides and he protects. Provide and protect. Um, the New Testament says if a man does not provide for his own, he's worse than an infidel. So that's one of the basic functions uh, that a man is to provide for his family. So it means he's out working. Uh, and if he does not have a job, he's still working. Um, he doesn't lazy around. Uh, you know, so people can't be blamed uh, for if they're unemployed. They can't be blamed for that. But people should be blamed for laziness. All right, there should be no such thing. Everybody can put their hand to the plow, put some, do some voluntary work, just do what they can in order to sort of be a contributing member of society. Now, I know that that's not politically correct, but how many know God doesn't care about that? God doesn't care about that at all. So the man provides and the man protects. I remember um, just after Vanessa and I bought our first home um, in that neighborhood that we lived in, there was... Uh, um, 
There's some parties that went on in the house um, close by, and uh, it's just a nuisance, uh, just quite a lot of noise going on. And anyway, one night, uh, a guy came to the door, knocking on the door, and uh, he, he, was, uh, he was drunk, and, uh, and I, wasn't, uh, I wasn't about to um, open the door. In fact, one night, a guy came. He came from the party next door, and he knocked on our door, and I opened the door, and I uh, said, oh, can I help you? He says, yeah, well, could you please ring a taxi for me? He says, it's so noisy next door. I says, tell me about it. So he's too noisy next door, so he comes to our house, wakes us up, or gets me out of bed to ring a taxi for him. That's just the height of rudeness. So anyway, um, another guy came one night, knocked on the door. I wasn't, uh, I wasn't uh, about to open up to engage with him. I just thought, uh, you know, I'm a peaceful man, uh, and, uh, <laughs> but uh, I didn't think it was worthwhile for me to open the door and think, just go away. Well, he got a bit uh, stroppy at the front door and started to bang on the door and uh, made a few noises. So I got my baseball bat. Um, just in case. Just in case. Now, <laughs> I'm a peaceful man. But when it comes to getting my family, keeping them out of danger, you have never seen anybody swing that baseball bat so hard, and I wouldn't hit the toes either uh, of whoever tried to sort of harm the family. So that's sort of inner, that's, that's in a man. Uh, and, but yet, that needs to be brought under restrained and under control as well, that a man doesn't go berserk each time he gets the opportunity to do so. You threaten my family, bang, 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 you know, into it. It's like, just watch the family. And uh, so you provide and you protect. That is one of the roles that God is assigned to the father. Man, you know, sometimes the ladies, boy, the mothers are sometimes fierce over their little ones. And praise God, you know, when that lioness gets upset, watch out. And that's good too, because the father is not always around, but generally the father is there to protect. That's why, that's why, when there's a threat against the country, we send the men out. Now, I know it's all gone pear-shaped and in all directions, and now we can't discriminate uh, against one sex or another, but if I were the president, if I were the president, or when I become prime minister, there'll be no girls sent out into war. <laughs> That would be my attitude. And of course, now that I've discriminated against women, I'm going to move right along and pretend nothing has happened. All right? <laughs> Praise God. I'm just a bit old-fashioned with some of these things. Uh, and I, 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 I'm, I'm not in a hurry to get, a, get on board with all the new trains that we're seeing today. And uh, you know what? If women are honored, they don't have to become feminists and start demanding this and that and the other. You see, in a lot of respects, men say, oh, we don't like what we see here. Well, honor your wife. And teach your, your sons to honor their sisters so that they can honor their wife. And teach your daughters to honor the father. And, and, and if, if everything is cool and kosher in the home, we don't have the need for it. We demand the same rights and we demand this and we demand that. Gosh, we're really into it today, aren't we? Like, wow, we're really out there on a limb. Praise God. But we've still got two or three hours left, so let's keep going for a while. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. So the father then provides and protects number four. The term father is referenced to a role that carries the greater responsibility. And here is where it's wrong. Here is where it's wrong where... We say, no, we need equality. And God says, no, the husband is the head of the wife. And he carries the primary responsibility. 
if something goes right, then, uh, you know, then we need to uh, acknowledge that. But if something goes wrong, you know, you think about when things went wrong in the Garden of Eden, way back in Genesis, Genesis chapter 2, things went off the rails, big time. God comes in, God knew something had gone wrong. You know what the first thing that God said is? God says, Adam, where are you? Adam and Eve hid themselves hid behind the bushes. <laughs> God says, Adam, where are you? When God's first and foremost looking for the man, God's still saying today, Adam, where are you? Adam, come forth. Adam, stand up. Be the leader. Learn about God. Learn about the Bible. Do what you can in order to qualify yourself to be the head in the family. Because that's who you are. So Adam, where are you? And God held Adam to account first before he dealt with the woman. But he did deal with the woman. <laughs> okay. So don't think that certainly all the blame was laid on, on Adam. But no, he was looking for Adam first. And God hasn't changed his mind about that today. God is still very much into gender. Big time. Big time. So, so there is that thrust and that train today. It's like, let's get rid of gender. In some extreme cases, uh, uh, teachers are now encouraged to no longer use the term boys and girls. Why? Because boy relates to gender and girls relates to gender. So they, they, they encourage them. I call them my little champions or something, which is all very well. But boys are still boys, and girls are still girls. And that whole interference of that whole deal there, where in places overseas, and it's trying to come here as well, they're giving sex change, physical sex changes, to children, because they've been duped into believing that they're little boys trapped in a girl's body, or little girls trapped in a boy's body, justifies all logic where scripture is concerned. Because while the church is all quiet and let's not say anything, let's not upset anybody, all of that's happening right under our nose on our watch. And friends, what sort of a tomorrow are we leaving for our children and for our grandchildren? What sort of a mixed upness do we allow during our watch? <laughs> Are we doing all right this morning? Oh, I tell you. Just recently received a, uh, an email that was sent out by a UK barrister. And, uh, and traveling to Australia, Australia is dealing with the same-sex marriage issue right now. It's going to go before votes. Uh, and of course... Uh, the, the right people are doing what they can to oppose this thing because it should be opposed and it needs to be opposed. And this UK barrister came to Australia and said to the Australian people and to the Australian Christians specifically, they said, you need to rise up and you need to be vocal about these things. Because otherwise, if you think you're just nice about it and kind and gentle, you're going to lose that battle. She says, we have lost it in the UK. In fact, it's got so bad in the UK that this lady seemingly um, gets, uh, gets
gets uh, people coming to her, but they're dragged before courts on some of these issues that we're discussing here today, and ending up before court, done nothing wrong, uh, and she's defending them. She says, and we're getting these people off, but it's hard work once society has moved beyond in, in, in regards to all of that. So she says, Australian churches, rise up, stand up, and speak up. Let's do what we can. We are the salt of the earth. We need to oppose this whole thing. And, of course, we've lost that battle in New Zealand. Um, and, uh, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like the, uh, the slippery slope, as it were. I was around, and some of you were, when they started to decriminalize homosexuality. And we might say, well, you know, that, that was possibly, you know, the right thing to do. I use the word possibly. Um, because all it's done... It's people started to come out. You know, they used the term coming out. We are now coming out into the open because we can and we're not going to get locked up. And people might argue about the rights or wrongs of all of that, but it hasn't stopped there. So we want a civil union. That's what we want. We don't want marriage. We want a civil union. So we give them civil union. We say, okay, we got that now. We, we want marriage. And the reason why God doesn't like it is because it so messes with the picture of Father God. Father, male, he. And it so messes with the picture of Christ, a male, and the church referred to as, as uh, you know, in, in a feminine uh, uh, tense. Uh, it so messes with that. And that's why the devil wants to bring this whole thing around the world so he can screw up and mess up that picture of God the Father and Christ and the church. And what I just found out on Friday, I hadn't thought about this before, is, uh, you know, this minister came to give us a presentation. He says that same-sex marriage is only happening in Western society, which is largely built on Judeo-Christian values and principles and laws. It's not happening in, in communist countries. It's not happening in, uh, in Muslim environments. It's not, not happening in some of these places. It's, it's the Christians lost the plot. <laughs> what's worse about it, and I'm hearing all of these things, what's going on? As the head of a large denomination in Australia, New Zealand, and around the world, uh, instructing his pastors from these various churches to say, don't discuss politics in the church. Just don't do it. There's a blanket rule. You will not discuss politics. So, you know, I mean, a pastor in such an environment can do a really good job in instructing people in regards to marriage and, uh, and uh, instruct them in regards to, you know, how to make a living and how to do well for themselves in the area of healing and prosperity and all of these other wonderful things uh, and how to get to heaven. But people will always be kept in the dark where politics are concerned. Because, friends, you're not going to find out about the truth of what God thinks about politics and how it should be done in an electioneering deal that goes on with all the promises that are thrown around and all the things that they say are considered important. People must be instructed in regards to what God expects from them 
in this area, when it comes to votes, when it comes to some of the legislation that is before us, and rather than just keeping quiet, we need to speak up, we need to see our MP, we need to write to the local MPs and tell them what we think should happen, uh, otherwise uh, it's just going to get worse and worse and worse. So God says, Adam, where are you? God's looking for the man first, and then he's looking for the woman. So the man carries the greater responsibility. And uh, if something's gone right, God says, that's wonderful, man, you're doing a great job. Something goes wrong, God says, where's the man? Automatically. All right, Adam, where are you? Um, and uh, so therefore, the man carries the greater responsibility. And because of that, he must be given the greater right to govern where his family is concerned. Now, if he's a wise man, he will take his family with him. He will absolutely discuss issues with his wife and uh, endeavor to make a decision that's not best for the man. Because, you see, a selfish man will lay a hold of this and begin to dominate his family and just do what's kind of right for him rather than doing what's right for the family. So, so that's kind of very important, as I said. That's about as much time as I've got to address that because everything needs to be packed out. You know, somebody can get a hold of a scripture and take it out of context and just run with this thing and think that he's got a mandate, or for that matter, a woman's got a mandate from God to do this, that, and the other, but everything has to be balanced out with everything else. Very quickly now, a few words of warning to those who refuse to honor their fathers. Not that any, any such person will be here, but it's good to understand how God thinks about all all of these things. Exodus 21 verse 17, he who curses his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. Now, <laughs> quite obviously, uh, this is Old Testament and we're no longer under the, this Old Testament law. Um, otherwise, many of us wouldn't be alive anymore today because most of us at one time or other have dishonored our father and, <laughs> and our mother. Okay, so, uh, but this, uh, that's why God thinks, God wanted that whole nation a nation of honor. And of course, we know that later on they lost the plot and the nation backslid. And then when people backslide, all sorts of stuff comes in. But this is how God felt about it. And in Proverbs chapter 20, verse 20, it says, Whoever curses his father or his mother, his lamp will be put out in deep darkness. So what does that mean? Well, deep darkness here does not mean physical darkness, but it definitely means spiritual darkness. When somebody is consistently dishonoring uh, their parents, they don't get revelation. They're in spiritual darkness. They're stumbling around. People in darkness are stumbling around. They don't know where they're going. They've got no vision. They try to do something. They can't find it. Because they're, why? Because they're in darkness. So God says, be sure that you honor your father and your mother. Proverbs 30 verse 17. The eye that mocks his father... And scorns obedience to his mother. The ravens of the valley will pick it out. And the young eagles will eat it. Now this is interesting because God just spoke about. Uh, for somebody that does not honor but worse curses their father or mother. That, uh, that they will be in deep darkness. And here it's speaking about vision. It's speaking about the eyes. The people who do not honor their parents will be impaired in a vision for their life, a vision for moving forward and the specific steps that are required to lead them into a better life. Um, 
And interesting too, it's been pointed out that ravens, when they find dead prey, the first thing they start picking on is the eyes. It's interesting. Anyway, that's a bit gross. We're going to move on. In the, and this is the New King James Version, the NCV Version, New Century Version, puts it this way. If you make fun of your father and refuse to obey your mother. So friends, the moral of the story is, don't make, have fun with your father, but don't make fun of your father. And do not have fun at his expense, because that's dishonoring. And I sometimes mention this, but I, I feel that the term, you know, when they say, oh, my old man, it's a dishonoring term. Call him father. My father. My dad. Um, because God takes this very seriously. And sometimes people are fumbling and stumbling around. It's because they're not properly taking care of uh, this command here to honor father and mother. And lastly, Proverbs chapter 30, verse 11. There is a generation that curses its father and does not bless its mother. There is a generation that is pure in its own eyes, yet it is not washed from its filthiness. So can I point out, friends, that if a society breaks down, it's because it's broken down in the home. If a nation crumbles, it's because the family has crumbled. So let's do everything we can to create an environment of respect and honor in the home. And this is how you strengthen your family. People say, well, I'm trying, but I, I want things to be better in my home. Start with honor, start with respect. And cut out all the other nonsense, and you'll find that there's going to be a turnaround. Suddenly vision will come. Suddenly the greater clarity. There will not be that confusion. Because the Bible says strife and envy brings confusion. And in some homes you can walk in, you can feel the confusion. But in other places you walk in and there's a tranquility, there is a peace, there is just a blessing of God flowing and God says this is how you're going to get it. So uh, let's honor fathers this morning just before we sing one last song. And in fact the children are coming through very shortly. They've got some little gifts for their fathers. Um, and uh, praise God. Uh, uh, and if you're a father here today and... Uh, and you don't have any children in children's church, then hopefully somebody's going to bless you as well because we want you to be honored today, Father. In fact, let me pray for all the fathers specifically. Uh, I want to pray the blessing of God over your life. Um, according to Numbers chapter uh, 6, verse 24, um, it says, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And so, Father, we bless all the fathers in the house here today. We bless all the families, all the wives, all the children. May the blessing of God manifest in every home. May respect and honor be their aim and their goal always. In Jesus' name, amen.